0: already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies, I wanted to let you know that I have a Patreon page now so that you can support the show. Check out patreon.com forward slash btbpc and check out the cool stuff you can get for as little as two bucks per month. You can also find the link in the show notes. Thanks, as always, for listening. Hey, everybody, we're back at Behind the Bits. I'm still Scott, and today I've got with me the UK phenom, Lucy Orchard. How you doing lucy hello
1: hello i'm so grateful for you having me on the behind the bits yeah
0: podcast. i was really pleased to find you on these uh zoom mics you do them a lot more than i do but i found you actually on my local mic the for the drop and it, it was neat uh, to have somebody from ac- across the pond coming in and talking to us so that was neat how did you find the drop mic
1: Well, my I did a comedy course in the UK, and one of my classmates is actually from South Bend, Indiana. Oh, wow! From Indiana, just up the road from South Bend, Mm. and she has performed at the Drop in real life. Do you remember real life? IRL, yeah. Yeah, you know, people seemed like really three D. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> and she had performed, and she saw that the drop was going online. And I had just done one online gig in the UK, and she said, "Hey, do the drop because uh-huh. she knows I'm terrible for staying up late. It's not how are the time differences. It's I was still up anyway. Yeah. And now it's become the point where I am part of the regular gang that does the, the drop and like even the fact that like you were there Tuesday but you've been off a couple of weeks, yeah. we all noticed it. Like we we're a little gang. Like yeah. where's King? Where's Scott? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I'm really going to when we get into the non live part of this, really get into the whole streaming thing and some of the stuff that you're doing because you're I think you're taking it probably and doing as good with it as anybody I know. And I truly believe that this type of stuff is going to be around after uh, the whole pandemic's over in some way, shape or form because uh, some people are leaning into it like you are and doing a great job at it, and it's it's a great way to get in front of an audience you normally wouldn't be in front of. So we're going to talk about that offline, so what you have to do is subscribe to Behind the Bits and download the podcast, and you can hear the whole story. But we're going to do the rapid round now. So this these are the questions I ask everybody, and this is like the entertainment t- tonight type thing, the usual questions comics get asked. So, first of all, Lucy, what part of UK are you from?
1: Originally, I'm from Wales, but I live in Devon in England.
0: Okay, how far is Devon from Wales?
1: Uh, Hour and 20. Okay,
0: because Jamie that I introduced you to is in Wales.
1: Ah, yes, okay. Yeah. We are a fantastic bunch.
0: So, when did you start doing uh, stand-up comedy?
1: I graduated my comedy course on February 9th, 2020.
0: All right, right before the shit hit the fan.
1: Oh, yes, I was there with my little, little handkerchief on my stick, looking at the horizon and going, I'm ready for this world. (laughs) Oh, we're locked down. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now what?
1: (laughs) This doesn't work with my scheduling. Can we do the pandemic next year? Yeah,
0: yeah, no doubt. (laughs) It's funny, Jamie that I talked to yesterday did a class right before he started. He's been doing it for a little over a year, and it's interesting that I think over there the classes are a little bit more prevalent. We've got them in some of our major cities like New York and LA has a class, and I think Nashville has a class, and some of our bigger cities, but they're not as prevalent like all around the country. So that's interesting that you both came out right out of a class.
1: I'm I'm that person that if I want to do anything that I don't know how to do, I never think I can't do it because I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I always sort of lean into academia. I used to be a teacher. And it, even under like you know, we were getting a new dishwasher, so I watched a YouTube tutorial. I wanted to know how to do it. There's always somebody that's done it first. And yeah. you can't teach funny. But you can teach me the bones. Yeah, no doubt. You know? yeah. And with the comedy course that I did and my friend from Indiana, it is the most prestigious course there is in the UK. So go hard or go home, bitches. Yeah. You know, I went. <laughs> <"Here you boy."> <laughs> <laughs> my course is when you say it to other comedians, they go, "Oh, that
0: one." Oh yeah, and and then yeah, they're scared. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, good. Who were your comedy influences? What was it that made you want to start doing comedy? Who did you watch that got you into it?
1: Uh, My family are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, There is no topic that can't be laughed at. And if you're laughing, you're not crying. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to um, comedy, when I grew up, comedy has always been big on TV in the Mm -hmm. UK, as your national, we've only got a few channels. We've never had a million channels. Mm -hmm. And you'd come in on the weekend, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there would always be a big show, like seven, eight o'clock. And it'd be like the Knowles house party, the Russ Abbott, um, Jasper Carrot, Victoria Wood, those big names. And you'd sit down as a family, and laugh uh-huh. and watch and, and my grandparents and i spent we spent a lot of time together because my mum was working and i got to watch all the older comedies as well so i've got such an appreciation and honor to say that some comedians don't know about the history of comedy in the uk so i like you more and wise i uh-huh. like you Des connor i want your hilda bakers and your beryl reeds uh-huh. and, and and i think if you really want to lean into comedy and you think you're original Google it. You no doubt. Somebody yeah. else has done it. <laughs> Somebody else.
0: <laughs> and a lot of the conversations I have with people who have been around for 40 or 50 years, they're like, nobody's invented anything for a long time. And it's they've done their own take on it, which is what, what you're supposed to do. But really, you haven't invented anything. They, were, they compared Mitch Hedberg to Henny Youngman. And both the same delivery, both one-liners. It, if you put them side by side, they're the same thing. Mitch Hedberg was just uh, a little bit more out there, more drug humor. And Henning Youngman was just talking about his wife. So
1: we've got a comedian over here called Miranda Hart, and there's one called Stuart Lee. And they will, they'll be talking to the audience, and then they'll break the, third, the fourth wall and they'll look down the camera and go like that. And yeah. that came from Morecambe and Wise in uh, t- decades ago. But Morecambe and Wise took it from Arthur Askey off the old board billboards. Uh-huh. So you're not. Yeah. Sorry, love.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was done before. Yeah. That's great. This is one that I, I brought in because I'm interested and it doesn't have anything really to do with comedy unless what you say has to do with comedy. What books are you reading? Music are you listening to? Podcasts, magazines, anything that is like changing your life or making things better or just like an awful light bulb for you is there anything that's really for me if
1: i'm what if i go to bed when i go to bed i have to listen to radio for um radio station because of the we've got an app so any radio station any shows that are on all time of the day you can watch them on catch up listen to them on catch up so i can't go to sleep without a nice murder mystery playing Oh, well. um, I'm not sleeping if someone isn't dying okay. <laughs> and, and it has to be something like Agatha Christie at the moment I'm uh, Miss Marple so I've just done um, nemesis and now I'm murder in the Caribbean and, and <laughs> it's just something lovely and warm a little English lady going around and solving murders uh-huh. and, and I drift like, <laughs> off to them and I like and then for my mental health I make sure I watch Queer Eye uh-huh. And I listen to What's the Tea with RuPaul and Michelle Visage. Okay. And those two fix me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, I, I do need visual and auditory when I'm trying to, I definitely need auditory. Mm-hmm. And for me, if I go dark and I'm feeling under weather, like mentally wise, the RuPaul and Michelle, they'll put it back together and they'll remind you you're in you are fallible and that, that that you are strong and you are resilient and you can put yourself back together and you can be anything you want and that's what that podcast does for me although it might people might think oh it's just two superstars talking about drag race no it, they very rarely talk about drag race they talk mm-hmm. about their struggles how to redefine themselves after losing jobs or losing loved ones mm-hmm. and and how to find your own sort of voice inside and it really is it's the most self-help thing i listened to 11 episodes of rupaul um what's the tea i left my boyfriend in my job oh <laughs> in the same half hour
0: wow i guess that's empowerment yeah
1: yeah <laughs> I mean, it's just i can do this <laughs> yeah
0: it's fun <laughs> it's great it's funny you talk about that and mine has actually always been, and I've actually got a joke about it. It's always been Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum on Project Runway. And everybody thinks that's a joke. I have watched every single Project Runway, except for the ones that Alyssa Milano hosts because she, I don't like her that much. And, but Tim Gunn, I just think is. The guy for me, the fact that he can go in and tell people that you're not making this right and cry in the same sentence and, and just be a gentleman about everything. I just, I absolutely love him. So he's one of those guys, they ended up kicking them off a project runway and then they did an Amazon show and my wife and I, we got through it in two days. And so I'm ready for the next season. Okay, last one. What comedy album or special would you consider to be your all-time favorite? And you Victoria can put a couple. Victoria with with. I'm sorry. Sorry. That was <laughs> that so was
1: quick. <laughs> the best um TV special ever. Is I think it's 1986. It's an audience with Victoria Wood. It's available on YouTube. And what we used to do in Britain is we did an audience with, and it would be a star, Mm -hmm. comedy star, and they would stand on the stage and they would take questions from an audience. And it would be, yeah, the questions would be set up, but they'd still be touching the Joe Rivers audience or even the, the um, Kenneth Williams audience. Mm. Nowadays, an audience with is where somebody goes, do you have a question? And they go, oh my God, how come you're so great? <laughs> that's yeah, not, That's not an audience with. I'd be like, did you find it hard when your mother died? Huh. That's what it used to be like. And they'd sit on a bar stool on a stage and they'd bare their soul. But Victoria Wood's um, special, her audience with, no one told that woman to take a breath. In the first five minutes, she does 20 minutes of material. Oh, wow. And it's sharp and practiced. And, uh-huh. oh, yeah, it's just,
0: oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I grow up. <laughs> you, you, your answers are so clear and concise, you don't even have to think about it. That's great. <laughs> I think you've done I a love few podcasts. about comedy. Yeah. I love
1: talking about comedy. That's great.
0: Hey, we're going to get off live here pretty quick, though. So I wanted to give you the, the opportunity to let people know what you're doing and how to find you and all the cool stuff that's going on with you. So shoot, let me know. Okay,
1: I've got a website. It's lucyorchard.com. It's not that difficult to remember. And from there, it's got a link to all my Facebook um, events, because I always put everything on Facebook events. It's mm-hmm. just the way forward. And my big baby at the moment is I do a comedy chat show with my comedy wife, Sarah Bridgman, who Scott will know from the, the drop. She's mm-hmm. been there a couple of times and she'll be coming back. But it's it's where we have a chat. We review other comedy specials, but we have a comedy guest on and we either talk nonsense or we talk serious. It just mm-hmm. there's no plan. It just let the conversation go the way it wants to go mm-hmm. um, and you can find that by going to twitch.tv forward slash tea kitchen sink. But if you okay. go on lucyorch.com there's a massive banner at the top that says, click here to okay. get to the kitchen sink. <laughs> and it, it's, we do it, we upload it to Spotify. And I can't believe it. We've got listeners in Australia oh, and neat. Nigeria.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And people really enjoy it because they can sink and drive. Yeah. Pun I wrote myself. <laughs> um, and it's, just, it's just listening to two friends, having a conversation and it's like a warm hug wrapped in a podcast
0: oh that's nice does your mom get involved with that i'm sorry i haven't watched one yet
1: the The lucy show is what i do every tuesday at 9 p.m uk time. that's the one i see she's she's my um unofficial producer yeah and she can see that i'm talking into a camera she can see that i've got all my sets set up and i'll tell something and then she just chips in (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, she wants, she wants to see the comments that are coming up too. Uh-huh. And she'll be like, you see, my screen's not working. And I'm like, <laughs> mum, I'm, I'm in the middle of yeah. something. <laughs> Can we discuss this later? Which I want to see. So she makes me, she'll bring me the computer whilst I'm live, like broadcasting. And there was one time that the screen was too dark and I was panicking. She was interrupting all the time and all she had to do was just tilt the screen. Just tilt yeah. the screen. That's all she had to do. <laughs> and she interrupted my show. <laughs> I love her to pieces. She brings me drinks. We do a little sketch, which is based on Victoria Wood, where we have this fake boom that uh-huh. she drops it into sight. Yeah, because I've seen that, was that a big one. Because Victoria yeah. Wood thing. And I always have boom in shot. And um, yeah, I've got some really loyal viewers. And it's, yeah, it's Tuesday. I think it's 2 two p.m. Um, Central time.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think but you're you right.
1: That because that's a UK person. Making yeah. up
0: numbers. <laughs> I think you're right <laughs> it's because of It's a
1: one stop shop. Yeah. Coming on. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I've got to watch that Twitch thing or at least download the podcast. I'm more of a audio type guy, but I, I gotta to listen to that. I've caught a few minutes of it here and there, but I've never committed to the whole thing. And when you do a podcast, it's very hard to listen to anybody else's because you're working on your own all the time yeah i've i I told you I did a run before we started talking. I've stopped listening to music when I run and put a pa- podcast on instead just so I can say that I've actually listened to some of these that I talk about
1: <laughs> yeah I, I on the rare occasion that I have worked out, I'll do it to a podcast yeah I have no problems yeah fast music is great, but I've got no problems listening to words yeah. And exercising, yeah. It just, it, I think it just depends whether or not some people. I, I listen to spoken word in the same way that people listen to music.
0: Yeah, yeah. And really, I agree with that because I find that when I'm working out and I've got, I usually listen to like metal or punk or something when I'm working out, and it's really hard, and I'm trying to stay with the beat, and it, it's it puts me off sync from what i really want to do when i'm listening to words when i'm listening to audio that somebody is speaking like even an audiobook or something like that then i can get into a different headspace and actually concentrate on both things equally and still get a good workout in
1: ultimately it's the cardio that's the winner
0: yeah <laughs> So I want to backtrack a little bit to some of the first questions I asked you uh, when you did this uh, comedy course. What, what's the name of the comedy course?
1: It's Amused Moose. Okay. So it's I think it's a play on the fact that a amu, an Amused Boose is a palate cleanser in, okay. a, in a culinary term. Um, but it's Amused Moose. And there are some very high-level prestigious comedians in the UK that have done this course. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching a a, a national chat show and one of my favorite comedians said he'd done this course and I was like I'm gonna do this course and then in just nine years I did it
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey this it's not bad I didn't start till I was 52 so at least you got me beat
1: (laughs) yeah there's a very as, as you know yourself there's a very young populous in stand-up com- yeah. comedy and and if you're bringing anything over 25 they look at you like who oh, invited grandma <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you're like, yeah, Hello!
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of things did this class do that that makes it so prestigious what what does it do for you
1: they always get a very well-known person the person that was doing it when i first heard about it changed to another person. So the person that I did it with was Marcus Birdman. Okay. He's not famous on TV, but he is the king of the circuit. Mm. He's a really nice guy as well. Everybody that knows Marcus respects him mm-hmm. um, and, and knows of him. And it's they even down to the fact that stagecraft, walking onto a stage and taking a mic out of a mic stand, there's a lot of courses that don't even use microphones. Yeah. You know, so they'd have us going up and just practice going onto the stage, um, saying something, taking the mic out, put the mic back in and put the mic back. And every time I went up, I would go up there. I put my hands behind my back. I carry on talking. And when I go to reach back for the microphone stand, it's still in front of me i have forgotten to take it out every oh. single time it became this running joke that the people were like sat there willing me uh-huh. to take this mic out of this <laughs> mic stand and I'd be like that's all from me and my hand would go backwards and I'd be like there's nothing there." Oh. that's because I didn't move it oh for oh. god's sake <laughs> <laughs> because there's little things like you know you make a gag when your mic's in the stand and when people are clapping it covers the clunk just little things like that. And, and also when your MC knows you're about to finish up, it's because your hand is going behind you mm-hmm. and you're, you're getting the, the mic stand. They taught us about the different types of jokes, like the misdirects. And then you've got like your rules of three, your phrasing. There's different writing performers as well for putting your material together, panel beating. It, it was a, a one day, it was a four day course for over four weeks so each week you'd be sent away to write develop practice mm-hmm. and then come back and i from all the people i've spoken to that have done other comedy courses they're great but no one covered exactly this much that we covered in in ours mm-hmm. and yes. i'm really glad that i didn't even know there were other comedy courses and they was like oh yeah there's loads you just chose the best one i was like <laughs> 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 But yeah, it's, it's, and and also the people from that course, I am in touch with practically daily. Uh We are a band of brothers now. We still meet every month to do writing workshop. We put each other forward for, oh, there's a gig going here. There's an online gig there. Uh, We meet up socially. It's such an important group. You'll, we'll never have that camaraderie with another group. Like even in university, I don't stay in touch with the people that I was on my course, like Mm. the people on the comedy course. It's amazing.
0: Do you feel like everybody that took that course is going to stay with stand-up comedy, or did some of them use it for something else?
1: Everyone had their own reasons. A lot of them clearly, but they want to write for Mm stand-ups. And You need to know that there are some very funny people like that. I know that my my comedy brother, Phil, he's going to go into stand-up. I know that Kyna, she's amazing at stand-up, but I think she's leaning maybe towards writing. That's where she's got a happy place jane would love to do more becky she's doing more and the joker so there's so many of us depending on how long it takes them people are still going to be staying in touch with comedy definitely mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> that's cool i uh, it's funny you talk about the whole microphone thing one of my guests a while back was lou deck <laughs> who is like one of the original guys at uh, the comedy store in la and so after we've been pretty friendly since then and i asked him if he'd critique one of my sets because I had like my best set ever, like right before the pandemic. And it was a seven minute set for a comedy contest. And I just absolutely felt like it was the best. People said you were great and all that kind of stuff. And two of the things that he got me on was how I took the microphone out of the stand and how I entered and exited the stage. And both of those were things I've never even thought about. And he, he said you got to command that stage and you definitely didn't do that and when you exited you just slinked away and you need to make sure that people know that you were up there and that you're leaving so it makes a lot of sense to teach that
1: yeah so this guy he did he have to suck joey diaz off or did he get there on his own chops
0: I, he was before joey diaz yeah
1: oh, okay it's, <laughs> I, I, I worry about comedians yep
0: <laughs> yeah i don't think this guy even uh has joey diaz on his radar so
1: <laughs> to be honest, the whole world didn't have them on his day. De- on his right he yeah. turns out he was a prick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get through this class and then, like we said, the shit hits the fan and COVID's all over the place. Did you get to do any live sets before you started? Uh, Did I? The- I
1: attacked it like the Hulk on steroids. Uh-huh. Between the 9th of February, graduated And my last gig on March the 23rd, I did 13 or 14 gigs. Wow. And there are not a lot of gigs around here. I was in my car and I was slapping my wares Uh uh, because my plan is, for those of you who haven't worked this out, I'm clearly a (laughs) (laughs) semi-driver. (laughs) And I took some time off work to to do a little bit of personal housekeeping and to do this course. I just needed I needed like a a, like a half sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And and I chose this time to do my stand up course. I thought, let's clear your mind, clear your your energy, do the comedy course, put your shoulder to the grindstone, do a couple of really good gigs. And then you can go back to working and then work out a, a balance between working for a wage and performing whilst you're new because you don't get paid for a long time at the beginning. Right. So I wanted to put 100% in at the beginning so that then I could ease back and then work out a balance between earning and performing. Mm-hmm. And I did that and the world imploded. Yeah. To, to, to get that many gigs in, in that short of time, I was knocking on everyone's door. I graduated on February the 9th. I started my Facebook comedy page on the 10th. I immediately invited everybody I've ever met in my life to join in. i got a good you know, 130 or whatever likes. And I put a thing on there saying, could you, if you see a comedy gig, because I'm very rural, I'm very rural around here. There's mm. no comedy gigs, but there will be comedy nights in pubs and bars and, and hotels, but they're scattered. And you won't know unless you're living in that village. Mm. And I said, if you see a comedy night, take a picture of the poster post it on my page and I will get in touch with the people running that comedy gig. And I will try and get on that bill. Cause I'm only five minutes. Oh. That's going to happen. Let me on. And I had the recording of my graduation show. So I had a video clip as well and name dropping the course. doesn't hurt. No doubt. And, no doubt. and, and because of people who are amazing around me, they were going, Oh, there's one in the lamb in credit in, in Sanford in Crediton or oh, there's, there's one in Clumpton cricket ground. And that's how I found those opportunities because when the nearest town is about an hour and 20 away, and yes, there are venues there, and I applied and I got onto some of them and they were really great about it, but there are pubs and clubs around here. that could be eight miles down the road. I've never even heard of the village and they all have a comedy night on. Mm. So I had to get my roving reporters, my little detectives to, to find <laughs> me those opportunities. And I did. It's, sort of, it's almost like sort of the war splitter. I called upon, I called upon the troops Find me a gig, and I shall get on that bill.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about those gigs themselves. What If you do the class, you graduate, you're absolutely in love with stand-up comedy, you do 13 or 14 gigs, what kind of growth did you have between 1 and 13?
1: I was, and then they do point this out in the course, because a lot of comedians have said to me they didn't realize this point until they were a good couple of years in. Take, always record yourself and take a look at your audience demographic, mm. whether you're doing student one or whether they're sort of all employed or whether it's an older audience or whether it's mixed. Are they there just to enjoy their food? Are they there for a comedy night? Is it near public transport or have they had to work out if somebody's going to drive the, the, the gang of them there mm. and work out, like this joke went well because of them meeting. I have a joke where I, make, I say about my village, not having mains gas and mains drains, which is a, I don't know if it's a British term only, but if you don't have pipes, gas pipes, where you just have a house where you could have gas or sewage, mains drains is, is sewage. We have cesspits um, and you, you they bring your gas into an oil tank kind of thing. And And I told this joke and it was a student bar and no one laughed. And that's because none of them have paid rent or a bill in their life (laughs) so they wouldn't know these phrases. So I changed it to we don't have Ubers and we don't have 3G. Then they got it and and it's working out your audience. Why didn't they laugh? Because it's never their fault. Some comedians are very quick to blame the audience on why they didn't laugh. And what frame of mind was I in? Mm -hmm. Was I fast? Did I give the audience time to laugh at that? And they do. They teach you that on this course and how to to analyse what you've done and and making us make sure that we never blame the audience for not laughing was really important because that makes you go, well, why didn't it work? Yeah, I just, I I love the idea of looking at sort of demographics and I do have older material and I don't want to dumb my material down for a younger audience because I didn't dumb myself down when I was teaching. Mm -hmm. It's their job to reach up. But if it doesn't work four times in a row, fucking change it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's a very mature outlook, seeing that you have to change to make the audience laugh and it's not a shitty audience. It's And a lot of comics don't get that for a long time. They do yeah. the same stuff and you know what? It works one out of three times, but the other two times it sinks because they blame the audience because they see they were too old, they were too young, they, were, they weren't smart enough to get the reference or whatever. But what you have to do... Is see the audience and also have material that's gonna work universally.
1: I also, when it comes to, so I start out of the gates, so I had a type five for people that aren't comedians. That means you've got a five minute routine that you really worked on. That's, it's, if you were a singer, you would write a song, everybody would play that song over and over again on the radio to the point where people want to be able to sing along with you. Mm-hmm. Whereas with comedy, they're like, I want a new five every time. And it's, no, it doesn't work like that. Comedians also songs in a way, but our songs are five minutes long. They're not three and a half minutes long. So it's, like, it's not like, oh, I've heard this stuff before. That They're using old material. No, we are <laughs> using our material and we're going to continue to use that material for a good year and a half. Yeah. And some people have the tendency where they want to keep changing their set all the time, which is fine for a new act, new material night. But if you're lucky enough to get on a decent night, like I managed to get on two Pro Bills for like my fourth and fifth gig, I was on Pro Bills. Mm-hmm. And because of my door knocking. Yep. And once you do the same material over and over again, you can work out they laughed at that joke, but they didn't. And then they didn't. If you keep changing your material, there's nothing there's the that you can work out that well, your material has got to be constant and then you can work out why didn't that work why didn't that work and and a lot of my classmates are like are you are you doing anything different tonight and I was like yeah I'm wearing a gold belt <laughs> I didn't wear a gold belt last time yeah. let's see if that changes <laughs> um the material Materials not changing. No, I'm gonna keep hammering that same fucking five out until I know my timings, my intonations, my breathing, when to look up, when to look away. And 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 yeah, I, I had to hold my ground on that because a lot of my friends were sort of not applying pressure, but they kept saying, "Are you doing anything different? Are you doing anything different?" And I'm like, No, same five, right. same five. Because right. you, ha- you you don't do a song, and every time you go to a band band night, change the verse.
0: Yep. <laughs> You don't necessarily stop writing because you're doing a tight five. But but you're looking for the next joke that can replace the joke that's not
1: an A plus on on the five over and over again. You go, this one is just not working. Yeah, it's not not the audience, it's not the demographic, it's not my emotion, it's not my timing. It just you think it's funny, but they don't. And and, you know, we wouldn't put it in the sets if we didn't think it was funny. Yeah, (laughs) no one goes, that's fine. (laughs) I'll put that one in. (laughs) You've got to chuckle at that joke before you put it in. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Then you can reach out with one of your new toys and, and and replace it but only you've got to give it at least three four goes before you take it out
0: mm-hmm. yep yeah. yeah I've got the same mentality about that because it could be the way I said it and I look at the words and I look at where I put it in the set and stuff like that and the it's funny the thing I did Tuesday is an experiment of all my stuff is relationship stuff and talking about my wife and my kids and stuff like that And I said, what if I make it all about me getting old? And then I can put the relationship stuff after it. And so I'm working that out and I'm taking jokes that I used as my closer or my half closer. And I'm putting new stuff in and and trying that. And I think it's probably when I can finally do it in front of people, it's actually going to be better because you don't just, go right into your set talking about relationship. It's not, it doesn't identify you. It's identifying you as somebody's husband. Yeah. So I've realized that and started working on it when you can't do it live. It's tough.
1: (laughs) I don't know if many of your interviewees interrupt the, the interview to just take a second and just say, Scott, some of your stuff that you did at the beginning of lockdown with the virtual backgrounds and the character work. Just mind-blowing. Sarah and I still talk about, and people Got like, what's online, the virtual backgrounds. We name-check you immediately. If you're going to use a backdrop, make it appropriate, especially if you're doing a character and you lean into it. Yeah. And even that one night when you just went experimental with putting the cups on your eyeballs, I'm still <laughs> laughing at that <laughs> set. You are absolutely genius. I talk about owning live, uh, owning online. I've now started standing up because I want to start getting gig ready for being back in real world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you lent into every aspect of online and took that electronic format and yeah. just threw everyone out of the water. Uh, bravo to you, sir. Well, bravo. thank you.
0: I, I only did that because I didn't feel like I could do my regular stuff. So I had to, I was.
1: All a bloody great coincidence. I was gasping
0: was at straws. I
1: started telling people it was planned from every minute. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All improv, baby. All improv. The the eye sockets of doom, though, is it's one of my proudest achievements because I've been doing this since probably I was in my twenties. Uh, anytime there's something on a table that I think I can get in my eye, I do it. And when cell phones came along, I'd always make my wife take a picture of me doing it. And if you watch my Facebook year over year, there will be, okay, eye sockets or doom are doomer back. And so I figured, what the heck? I'm actually going to buy some shit and put it in my eyes and let people see it and see what happens.
1: <laughs> I was weak. Absolutely. I'm so glad I wasn't going on after you. I was <laughs> like, I'm not going on after that.
0: <laughs> yep, yeah, that's a good old standby when nothing else is working. And I've got my props here with me and the backdrop's always ready. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can pull that out any time. Thank you for that. And that was the funny thing is I did that stuff and then I pretty much said I don't feel comfortable doing it and I didn't do any for a long time and I would pop into the drop one every once in a while and then I did one of the, the pandemic mic or whatever one I did one of those. I did one that you were on uh at the same time and then I just said no and put my mind into the podcast and writing and stuff like that. That's Tuesday. I thought, yeah, I'm going to actually try to do some material and say it out loud and see what happens. So it's weird, but it is what it is.
1: When lockdown first came in, we have a lot of four Facebook forums. We hmm. you, know, where you used to have maybe written magazines and stuff where they'd have yep. job opportunities and all that stuff. Now it's all gone on to these little private Facebook groups for different regional circuits. Yeah. And, yep. An opportunity came up to do, and it was like one of the first new act, new materials. Everyone else was doing prose. And it was one of the first UK. People weren't even sure if there was a pandemic at this point. It was really early on in the lockdown. Is it not just a cold? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All the clubs are shut. And I was like, I've just got my type five together. I've, I'm still buzzing off the addiction and the high that you get from standing up in a busy room and making people laugh mm. because you said something. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not giving this up. I don't care what's <laughs> happening in the world. And um, he said, you know, we're doing, he did a couple of pro bills and they were really good. And then he said, I'm doing a new act, new material night. Perfect. So I put myself forward for it, and I got it, and 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 I did my tight five. But I did with my my classmates. We had a Zoom meeting. I did it. I did my stand up five, but I did it sat down in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. And we worked out. There's one line where I threatened to bury everybody in the moors or the national parks. I change it for America. Where I threatened to kill all the audience. And on stage, I take the mic and I lower my voice and I look deadpan and I go. I'll bury you on the moor so nobody will ever find you. And it's just the it's the different intonation in the voice. Mm. And we we're like, what can we do? What can we do? And I went, hang on. It just came to my mind. And I said, everyone, stay here. I ran off downstairs and I came back. And is this still being filmed? If people wanted to film it, uh, watch it kind of thing. Uh, um,
0: so no, I I, I, I I actually stopped filming, I think. Okay. Uh, if, so if it is, I a... ran
1: off, I came back and I went, yeah. I'll bury you on the moors, and no one ever find you. And I put a uh-huh. torch under my chin, like Blair Witch Project. Yeah, and and everyone went, that's that's it. And th- there's a line where uh, people say, I wonder if she sleeps with a knife under a pillow. And, and and with a mic on a live stage, I just I do a very strong Welsh accent on that. I go, yeah, I can do. But when I do it online, I lean forward right into the camera, mm-hmm. and I go, yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and 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 you just need to realise it's a different medium. Mm-hmm. You can't fight it, but you can adapt. Yeah, And there are some people that say, will just I saw one comedy show and it was quite a big, big old comedy show. And the woman had earbuds in and she was in bed with <laughs> her head on a pillow and she just phoned it in. Yeah. Um, and that might be that might work for her. But I don't care if I'm standing up on a stage in a club or whether I'm performing in a Zoom room or a StreamYard room or could be Hangouts or um, Discord. I don't care what the technology is. I'm still going to bring my professionalism to my set
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because I can't not. Right. I don't want to get sloppy. I want to treat every gig as a real gig. Mm -hmm. And I think if you understand that and if you pay respect to it, then... The audience wants to see whether or not it's via camera or whether or not it's in person. They want to see that you've brushed your hair, that you've practiced your words, that you've applied some kind of craft into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And and, and it, it maybe they don't go, oh, they've written that, they've worked hard on that. But there is a resonance in their appreciation. They know if you've brought your A game yeah. or if you haven't. And it doesn't matter whether... I'm I'm trapped in my back bedroom talking to a camera, mm-hmm. or whether I'm standing up in stage. I just think comedy is a very serious thing.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you take it seriously, people will laugh more. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so when you're working, you were working together with really c- kind of some friends on the Zoom stuff, and I'm sure you use the same tenacity you use to get your live gigs to find all the Zoom stuff. So you were it's using your keyboard and picking up the phone a little bit more, but I'm sure you did that. And you got yourself to a point where I think I saw at one point you were doing like six or eight per day. Is that did you get up to that amount?
1: I've done six.
0: Okay. I knew it was a, a pretty high and number. I don't
1: know why I'm really short sure shy on saying that. <laughs> but um we're in real world in real life, as a real life comedian in real clubs, you have your type five, but even when you learn a script off by heart, you ad lib. Or you get excited by the reaction of a punchline and you forget the next line. And uh, so you do, you have to stand in your living room with no one else watching and you speak into the mirror and you do your set over and over again and you time yourself. Oh, that one—that was 4.42. Brilliant. Oh God, that was 5.37. Um, they're going to hate me because you never run over your time. That's yeah. the one thing they teach you. They will not remember your punchlines, but they will remember that you overran. Yeah. <laughs> and and that and that does really piss me off on open mics when they go, oh, did I run over? Have you not got a timer in your house?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not their job to time you. Yeah, It's a courtesy uh-huh. that they time you. Did I really do seven minutes? <laughs> oh, what am I like? <laughs> I'm professional. That's what you like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and I will judge you. I will judge you until you have grandchildren and you've given up this career. I will judge you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's a case of you practice, but I wanted to keep practicing it, and worked out that not only were there open mics in the UK, they were open mics. I've done them in America, I've done them in Zurich, I've done them in France. If you go on the one web, the one forum, um, displaced comedians, uh, the amazing Nico has done a spreadsheet of of performance availability. Mm. Doesn't matter what time of day. You just bring up that spreadsheet somewhere—Tokyo, Singapore, Russia. Someone is doing an open mic night that you mm-hmm. can get onto. It's amazing, and because where I live, I've got to shut and knock and beg and steal to get on stage. I can, from my ca- from my laptop, I can arrange to do four performances in a day. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to turn my nose over that right. because it's, even if there's no audience, I'm practicing my posture. My intonation, my timing, my stage presence, my persona, my words, my medium, everything. And 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 people are like, oh, online comedy. I know that when I started out, my five, I had three jokes more than I have in my five now, because as I've begun more, more practiced at doing it, I'm talking slower because mm-hmm. I'm not as nervous mm-hmm. and if, if you're nervous you talk really fast and you can get a million jokes out one in one so here's one joke here's another joke here's another joke thank you very much that's my five bye and then now if I do that five in my relaxed I, I've got this kind of persona that's six and a half minutes I have to t- <laughs> I've had to take two two and a half really good jokes out of my type five because mm-hmm. now I'm doing it and I'm just talking normally and and I wouldn't have this if I hadn't done online. I would still be doing sixty words a minute, but I've become more relaxed, and and I managed to get uh, I've managed to start doing online tens,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I built an online ten. I did an online twenty Ooh. in Seattle t'other day. Don't mean to brag. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, that is with, that will have a Word document hidden just, hidden just below my, my webcam. Yeah. And that will yeah. be with prompts. If I'm sat down and I'm reading off a Word document, fuck, I can do an hour. Yeah. But I'm focusing on what can I do standing up off by heart? Where am I? Cause it's very presumptuous for anybody to give somebody of my experience a 10-minute spot. And yet, because I've practiced my 10 so often, I've got a real-life 10-minute book in the end of September nice and to have started in february and to be 10 minutes in september is an upstart bitch is how we would call it
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great so these zoom mics you do them all over the world do you find that most of your audiences are other comics uh, the the ones that you can hear some of them invite yeah. friends or somebody to come in the zoom room to watch and you have a few audience members do you feel that some of them are better than others and you don't have to name them some of them are better than others as far as feedback or do you just do all of them and think that you're getting the same feedback from all of them
1: you don't get a lot of feedback. You, what what you get in a Zoom room is you get laughter, mm-hmm. and that's the feedback you have to take off. And the thing is, you're just making other comedians laugh, and we are notoriously difficult to make laugh. Yeah. So if you can make a comedian laugh, I'm having that one, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's brilliant. I have started picking up non non comedian like you know fans, not comedian non comedians. Non-comedians. What's the other word for them? Fans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I do get good feedback from from fans. Mm-hmm. Um and it and it's quite a selfish thing, these online gigs. You have to do it for yourself. Yeah. And you have to yeah. hope that even if there is not a a fan or an audience member in there, they're all just comedians. You have to be focused on what are you practicing for that. For me, it's all been practicing my intonation and my rhythm and my timing. Mm-hmm. With the different audiences around the world, I have made changes to my set based on the wording. The jokes are the same, the wording. Because I know that I have a joke about marmite. Nobody in America understands what marmite is, so I don't use it. That I can't. There's no way I can change that joke to use American eu- euphemisms to get that across. It's just it's a very be- word based joke, mm-hmm. which is fine. But when I tell a joke over here about Fred and Rose West, all I have to do in America is change that to Ted Bundy. When I did that in in Thailand, in, in Malaysia, I just changed that to, I think it was like Monica Tandy or something. And when I did it in Zurich, I changed it to The Death Keeper of Lucerne. I just changed certain things because it's not necessarily that bit of the joke that's the funny bit. I just needed the reference to, to make sense. And I've enjoyed having to sit down and research, what is this in that country? Mm. What is that? And it makes me realize that the jokes are quite transferable. Yeah.
0: Who's the um, most? Who's the most notorious serial killer in Zurich?
1: <laughs> the Death Keeper of Lucerne, obviously. Um, You're going to be able to do
0: Jeopardy, Jeopardy after this. I
1: had no idea. Um, <laughs> it's been fun, and it kept me interested, and it kept my creativity going. And even if it was only selfish purposes, it made me feel good. And when you feel good, you write more, and you mm-hmm. perform better, and you've got more drive. And as I've gotten more um, settled in my once now, not the excitement has, has died, but I'm not doing that many open mics now. It filled a void for me to do that many and to keep that joy and that excitement and that euphoria going. And now I've got uh, about I've got four regular projects each week. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on my writing as well around it. Mm -hmm. And I've had to do that big, so keep my mind busy. I'm ignoring the fact there's a pandemic. And for the drop night, I was writing a new set each week. It's only now because I'm trying to get stage ready for real life gigs again, Mm -hmm. that I've gone back to my five and I'm practicing no prompts. Mm -hmm. No prompts, standing up. Because it's a different energy. Standing yeah. up for stand-up is a completely different energy to sitting down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I did a gig last night, and it was probably the nearest I've felt like I was being at a real gig for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I smashed it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so standing so, so, up when you're doing a video gig actually changes things?
1: Complete. Different, different energy. Complete. Because I I do move. I I moved from my hips and I noticed when I first sat down, it looked like I was mainly just moving my shoulders. So Mm -hmm. I did look quite strange because my body was wanting to to move. Mm. And then I've had to always, because I'm very new, don't forget, I'm very new doing live gigs. I'm just an old pro now doing online gigs. Mm. Um, But doing live gigs, you still have that bit where you fiddle with the cable or you move too much, or you sway too much, and you have to, you, it's a great training task when you're doing it online, because if you're swaying online, you literally go out shot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're practicing that, yes, you you have a sway in you, but you have to keep center if you want your face to be on the screen.
0: (laughs) Have you run into some people when you do these mics that are exceptional at it, like you are?
1: oh wow there are so many people but Erin Crouch who is an American that is living in Germany Jesus Christ her one-liners are they, they're sharp enough to cut you yeah um, I'm absolutely in love with her Brooke Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she can hold a pause I, I can't hold a pause like she can just do a line and then almost like inhale like a yoga inhale uh-huh. and then go on to the next line whereas I've already gone into the next line yeah <laughs> <laughs> really um yes trish sullivan like when you see her getting passionate she's not afraid of the camera and she does a rant like that she gets into a rant mm-hmm. and she does it with her whole body and yeah there's just there's so many And i'm really fortunate there was, like a, there was like a there was like a there was like a gang of us even though we were internationals, so like Katie Zane and Michael Cooper, Trish Sullivan, Brooke Bussell, um Garu from Malaysia, and mm. um, uh, Leon Bukowski, we'd see each other, all different mics, mm. all around the world. Like, all right, mate, like we knew each other.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you can see from their comedy that because they hit the ground hard, they are better for it. Because uh-huh. I'm seeing pros doing online gigs now and they're and they're funny, their material is really strong, but you can see they're not comfortable. Yeah. Delivering it because yeah. they haven't, they didn't give themselves the opportunity. Everyone looked down their nose at it. They're like, oh, that's right. what open mic is.
0: Yeah. And now they know they have to. So they're diving in.
1: Now they're coming along.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we, we've got a comedy club that's, it's about three hours south of us called The Attic in Bloomington, Indiana. And that's, both my kids went to IU there. And that comedy club did a, 50 percent capacity and then they zoomed it and you could pay to watch the zoom and there's a comedian i like real he was my second guest on the podcast Stuart huff he was doing one and i paid to watch it and it was you could tell that he had he definitely hadn't done any zoom mics Cause he did not play to the camera at all and he didn't care where the camera was. He was just talking to the audience, which was fine. I understood what he was doing and I know he was working out some new material and stuff like that. But if he would have played to the camera just a couple times to let us know that he knew we were there, it would, I think it would have went over better. That's when you're doing the multi thing, have you done any of those that are both?
1: That's Mike. that's the gig I've got in September. You, oh, there'll be a handful of people in the theater for laughter, mm-hmm. but it's going to be streamed. Good. And good. Um, I am, I am almost too excited.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you, I'm sure you will acknowledge the audience who's watching on the internet. So that will give you a leg up for Without sure. Without
1: them, I wouldn't be on that stage. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: What would you tell people? There's still a lot of folks who are tu- turning up their nose to doing online comedy, saying they just won't do it. And I think that's fine. Some people are not cut out for it. What would you tell somebody who is like right on the edge and really wants to try it, but they're scared or whatever? What, would you, what advice would you give somebody that wants to do that?
1: Zoom is free. All mm-hmm. right. You don't have to have a pro account to have Zoom. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a Zoom account open up a meeting with just you in it, just your face looking back at you and do your set to that camera. Because mm-hmm. you can record it and you can play it back to yourself. I don't think you can actually, you can't record it on a, on a free account. But the fact is you can even just do a Facebook Live where you can look at it again. Mm-hmm. And and you've got arms. You can move. Mm-hmm. Try doing it. If you don't want to do it sat down, if you think oh, on all online is sat down, I'm not doing online sat down. I'm doing online stood up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, You just need to find, I took a behind the scenes footage last night of me doing my gig and you should see the amount of boxes from around the house that I've constructed on the table to get the camera (laughs) at the right. It looks like a kid's crafting session.
0: (laughs) I'm thinking about that right now because I'm thinking the next set I do, I want to do standing up. But I'm six foot five.
1: You will get a buzz buzz afterwards. I promise you. And you will your physical body. You'll be like, oh, I just did stand up. Yeah. Like my knees. I felt like energy in in my knees. I was still like, like, I don't get nervous going on stage. I get nervous coming off stage for some reason. And from when I used to do a lot of public speaking. I can go on stage and I can do it. But as soon as I come off, my whole body shakes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is fine because it works for me. I don't want my body to think that's the wrong thing to do. I'd much rather be nervous afterwards than be nervous before. So mm. keep going <laughs> if, my, if my brain <laughs> is listening to this. <laughs> but yeah, you just, I've got a dining room table and I've got three, they're right there, three little storage boxes that I, I used to keep in my truck and, and I put them on the table. Then I put the laptop on front of it. I've got a mic stand and a mic so I can still do the thing where I take the mic out Mm. and I still put it back in the mic stand at the end of it. The difference is I'm not talking to a huge audience. It's just me in a little space. And there was one night where somebody hadn't muted them and they were talking over my set. Mm. And it was just like when I was on a real life stage and somebody was talking over my set and I got totally thrown by it. And I started swaying. (laughs) I started swaying. you won't know how to learn and get better from these mistakes if you don't do them. And mm-hmm. online is a brilliant, it's still a training ground, but stand up. And if you want to make a point, whereas you maybe you would have caught somebody's eye in the audience or looked away, you can look in the camera and lean forward. Mm-hmm. Or if you're trying to, you can go quiet by just leaning back or looking away and make, throwing a statement in. you just open a zoom with yourself, just yourself and just watch yourself. How do I look in the mm. camera? Is my lighting enough? Or do I look like I'm giving a witness statement on a morning TV program? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, you can learn by just, I've got, I've got a lampshade from my back bedroom and I've taken the, the lampshade off it. Taken mm. so It's just a standard light. I've taken the lamp off and yes, it's a bloody naked bulb staring right in my eyes. But as a comedian, we're used to having a thousand Watts in our eyes oh, yeah. where we can't yeah. see the audience in front of us. So suck it up. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can use what you have in your house without spending any money. If you've got a camera with internet connection and you can practice yeah. and you can practice by yourself, or you can go on displaced comedians and find these open mics where there may only be a few audience members, or it felt like with doing the ones that were in a different country, I felt freer. You know, like how people are dirtier when they have a one night stand than they are in a relationship? Oh, yeah. Because it was in a different country, I thought, you know what? If I, like the 20 minute gig I did in Seattle, if I didn't do a very good gig, I won't do another gig in Seattle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I am exactly the same way. And I used to do. I used to go uh, through Nashville a lot, and I would do an open mic there, and I didn't know anybody, and so I didn't care, and I actually did better sets because I didn't care. and The adrenaline didn't hit me or anything like that. I was just like, okay, I'm going to do my shit and get off the stage, and I did better sets.
1: And online, you can just go, all right, well, I'll do one in Malaysia then.
0: Yeah, and I haven't been in one of these yet. I haven't done near as many as you but i haven't been in one where you get booed or somebody is an asshole to you afterwards everybody seems to be pretty
1: nice i've had one have you (laughs) Mm. and it was a comedian's family members that had come to watch him and when i started talking i was like i'm not listening to this woman oh no this girl Oh. this girl and and i went no offense mate fuck off i don't want you to listen to me either <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's practice too because yeah. when i had people talking over me in real life i stumbled and i was like oh whereas now i'd probably be like guys do you want to keep it down instead of what i did it was like oh <laughs> We as, as comedians, we need practice of heckling and people talking over and people on their phone. We need those training experiences. And the beautiful thing is people are still our souls, even online. Yeah. So we still have those training <laughs> tips there. <laughs> <laughs> But the
0: great thing is exactly what you said. You don't necessarily have to see him again. You may want to come back just because you didn't say everything bad about him that you wanted to say it in the beginning, and you want to get in there and uh, do that. It, you don't necessarily have to do it, and most of them I've seen are just nice. I I, I don't have a problem with
1: them. Oh, that, that is like one gig out of what have I done, 50? Yeah. And it's brilliant, and I've made relationships with comedians from it, and... They're going to be lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. And my, I've got, we started an online comedian, female and um, trans non binary, basically everything that's not a man, mm-hmm. a group called the Women Smashing It Plus, WSI Plus. And we have over 500 members within a month. Of global female comedians plus non-binary and i've got the three of us that started brooke barcel and trish sullivan and myself we'll have what we call coven meetings and it'll be like i need to call the coven together because i need to run this set through and i'll have these two comedians i will just read like this joke isn't landing why and we'll workshop it and it's amazing the writing workshops that have come out of it there's kyle davis is running one and um, I'm trying to think of the name of it, but there's Sun s Stevens does masterclass. You've got Scott Porteous doing the workshop. Um, I'm doing his I workshop.
0: I'm actually I, I signed up and I'm doing it. I think a week from next Thursday.
1: And there's Write On Comedy, and that's W R I T E. Play on words. Write <laughs> uh, On Comedy, and there's. To do a workshop in real life, you'd need to get in your car or get public transport, go to a cafe, buy a coffee. This is all you need now is a connection, mm-hmm. and the workshops are as in, as important as the actual performance side yeah. of it. Because I do one with my my classmates as well, where we based it on the Scott Portis way, where you get a word, a random word, sent to you, and then you have to develop a piece. Yeah. Whereas um, Son S Stevens' workshop, you just take a broken joke. And you just, you all panel beat it together as a family. Mm. And then with write on comedy, he's picking themes and you would write about that theme and a free writing workshop with a a room full of comedians at your fingertips. If you're not taking part in these people, you are wasting valuable resources.
0: I have done a couple of impromptu ones with some folks and I have to say that they're great. There's, and once again, there are people I don't know and who is the best person to bounce material off than somebody you don't know. Because people that are used to me from like the drop open mic, they know my story, they know everything about me. How can I get myself across to somebody who doesn't know me? And you only know that when you talk to somebody who doesn't know you.
1: The Scott Portis one I did was me and me, myself, Scott, Luke Logan, two other guys. I can't remember their names right now. But one of them was bringing together a joke and he knew that if he doesn't do this joke, it's going to come across as racist. And Mm -hmm. racism was not meant to be the thread of the joke. He just knew that if he didn't handle... He knew that there was a joke in there. He knew that they had some lovable characters, but these characters were people uh, people of colour, but they were real people from his real life, and they'd done this really funny thing. Mm-hmm. And if he didn't tell it, it was going to look like he was mocking a person of colour, which is not what the intention was. Right. But he was able to bring this joke to these strangers, and we were like, what you need to do is you haven't set his character up enough. You've gone straight in with the fact, is this, that, and the other. And he was like, oh, yes! Yes, that's what I needed to yeah. do. Build the character up first, then make the joke, then do such and such, because he had all the right pieces. It's a Morecambe and Wise joke. He had all the right pieces, but not necessarily in the right order. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 you can get that a joke, which is a borderline rape joke. I had one. Mm-hmm. And it's not, ha, 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 rape is funny. It was about making a mockery of sex offenders. But if I didn't word it, it wasn't going to work. And I took that to the drop workshop. And as a group, we worked it to the point where the punchline works right. I'm not mocking um, the the fact of B people being sex of uh, having a f- assault. Mm-hmm. I'm mocking the sex offenders. But you have to, people want to do edgy topics, mm-hmm. but an edgy topic in the wrong hands is offensive. It's, and these have the comedic minds going, no, do it this way. Put that in first.
0: And having enough self-awareness and maturity to listen to something like that is a big step. I, I had, I told you about my Tim Gunn thing, and my joke was, is, and just to summarize, it was, I'm not into sports, I'm not in hunting and fishing i'm not into cars i just like to cuddle up with my boo and watch project run runway that's when it was still going and i said i guess the reason why we stayed together so long is i'm my wife's gay roommate and that just killed i overthought it and i did the joke again with uh actually the same guy who was with me that had heard it the first time. He was a, he was the guy putting on the show and I did it again. I overthought it. I said, saying I'm my wife's gay roommate is going to be offensive to somebody. So instead I said, I guess I'm gay. And that turned out, fortunately he's a good enough friend to me that he sent me an email and said, Hey, why did you change that? And we talked about it over email. And he said, the first way was better. And the second way is worse. I don't even really do that joke anymore, but I knew from then on the, the right way to do it. So it, it's, had I bounced it off of somebody before I did it like that, I wouldn't have done that on stage in front of 80 people. You
1: know? <laughs> the thing is a good comedian, and this is not a UK thing or an American thing. This is a global thing. A good comedian will never punch down.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and the, With all of the troubles that are in the world, all the prejudices and the injustices, you don't want to punch down about different um, creed or sexual orientation or race or religion or class. But that doesn't mean that the jokes aren't still there. And if you're intelligent enough, you can still deliver a joke which refers to a religion or a sexual orientation or a race without making that the butt of the joke. Yeah just because I'd be absolutely mortified if somebody thought I told a racist joke. Mm -hmm. But if my friend is black and does something stupid, I'm still going to mention it. Do I need to mention that they're black? Am I not mentioning it because I don't want to be seen as racist? And you can work in these writing workshops. I'll say, that's not pertinent or it is pertinent as long as you say this ba- this bit and the other because mm. stereotypes are stereotypes and like being Welsh or being from where I am in, in England we're, we're known as bumpkins which is a farmer kind of yeah. folk we're meant to be stupid and dumb but lovely and I'm not going to stop making jokes about them but I'm never going to make a joke about them being stupid <laughs> I'm going to make the fact that we're that we're just so naive and lovable that you ask us directions and the next thing you know you're in our house yeah <laughs> 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 it, and comedy wife sarah she does a joke about people in swansea about how you ask and, and it's that uh, that joke where you will end up being given a piece of cake and they'll drive you there and stuff like that it's mm. it, it, if you're intelligent enough you won't avoid using different topics mm. but you will approach them intelligently
0: and you you have enough sense to bounce them off people that can give you the right feedback
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because you you don't know everything in your head. And when you're on a roll in your head and you're writing, you're like, this will be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you read it back and you go, oh, no, it's not. And then you yeah. show it to your friend and they go, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, if you had a crystal ball and you could take us like a year from now, when the pandemic's over, I hope, crossing my fingers, what elements of what we're doing now, the zoom stuff and all the different online mics, what elements do you think might stick around and keep going?
1: Open mics are definitely going to continue going. mm mm-hmm. Definitely. And there will be an element of online entertainment still. And I, they, I was um, fortunate enough to see a notice for this webinar about online comedy. And it had uh, Kerry Pritchard McLean, who's a really big name in stand-up over mm. here. And one of one of the, ple- the pleasants, mm. one of the biggest venues in the Edinburgh Fringe. They had really big names mm. discussing it. And what really came out from it was certain people can't get to live gigs. And the reasons are a fucking myriad. You can't get a babysitter. It could be you're a single parent. You can't afford a babysitter. Where I live, if I wanted to go to a big-name comedy gig, I'd have to go at least 30, 40 miles Mm -hmm. to to, to see that performance. And then the ticket price is on top. And then the buying of the drinks and the getting back – from a female comedian's point of view, I don't know if you've seen how much the UK Me Too in comedy movement has just gone absolutely insane because of... And it was actually the Joey Diaz story that even though it was in America, prompted it over here. A lot really? people going... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was a, a guy in Ireland that was found to be an absolutely horrific example of humanity. Uh-huh. And he was um, doing all sorts of horrendous things to comedians. And the, the Joey Diaz then, I think because it was an open micer story, that really brought it forward. Walking back from a gig on my own or having to have a car share or bookers offering me a gig as long as I reciprocate the favor kind of thing Mm -hmm. or harassment or anything like that. From from a female point of view, I'm doing a podcast right now with you, but you can't physically touch me. And the open mic scene in the UK, you'll get one or two women on the bill. Mm -hmm. The online open mic scene Mm It's 50-50, if not more. Yeah, you will. It's amazing. You know, It's not like there aren't any women in comedy. They are. We just can't get places mm-hmm. um, because it's a sad story. Men can go out, but women need to find a babysitter. Yeah. And you've got people with anxiety issues that like comedy but don't want to be in a dark room next to people. Yeah. You've got people with um, physical disabilities where they can't navigate around a small club. Or they just fit. And, and what Kiri was saying is uh, with all her big tours now, at the last date, she will do online. If you want to be fiscal about it, it's that last way to wring the money out of the people that you didn't wring it out
0: of during the tour. Right. Everybody who but couldn't get the, there.
1: On the humanitarian side, you're making it possible for people to appreciate your work mm-hmm. that wouldn't be able to get there in physical form. Yeah. And I think that is what is going to come out of this.
0: Mm-hmm. That's one thing that, as I've gotten older and understood the me too movement is I have to, you have to be very careful to understand that women see you, they have to see you as a threat when they see you because so many of us are the, you have to understand, okay, this is the way I'm seen. I have to prove myself otherwise. And then, we can have some sort of a friendship relationship or whatever. That's And I've noticed that, and it's really, it's sad, but a lot of guys still haven't caught on to that.
1: I think what happened with the lockdown is people started missing the live scene, and they started weighing up. What do they miss about the live scene? And what don't they miss about the live scene? It's like people, were, like comedy managed to do a stock take, mm-hmm. and they looked at what parts of the industry needed to be improved which bits don't need to come back at all mm-hmm. and maybe it's from all the online groups that have happened i'm just i'm still like I, my tags are still on them so new so to see all these established comedians discussing this i i know that i was never sexually harassed at a gig due to the fact i've only done a few gigs mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't because I, it wasn't because there wasn't any bad people around it's yeah. just i didn't have the, i didn't get the access to them and Women have started talking and going, that guy did this to me. And they go, that guy did this to me. And that, oh, that's creepy. And it doesn't have to be full-blown sexual assault. Big comments about their breasts or not booking them or a guy that will only repeat, or a booker, sorry, will only repeatedly book all males. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's white women don't get booked as much as as the other the minority. So you go. There aren't enough Black acts. There aren't enough Middle Eastern acts. There aren't enough female acts. There's that. There is a need to shake up the white man booking system. Yeah. And go. You don't just have to have one and then you go tick. We've done that. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing to see that. But people have come back and gone. No, I don't want this anymore. Mm-hmm. And. Having to care for, to watch the forums of the guys going. What do you mean? Bad things were happening when I was there. I didn't know. Why didn't anyone tell me? Like yeah. they needed a support group to get them through this Me Too movement on how like affected they've been, but no one told them it'd been happening. Yeah. Um. It's just I'm to be such a new comic to be just reading the forums and going. Ooh, this is going on. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, I suppose both you wouldn't understand. I'm a female truck driver. Do you think I don't understand sexual harassment? <laughs> Less female truck drivers than there are female comedians, yeah. so no offense, me. Get in line. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> One thing that I've heard that it just pisses me off so much, and this was before the pandemic, but every time a woman got booked for a show that maybe a man got bumped for, or something like that, the guys always say, "Yeah." she's screwing the booker or something like that. And she's not funny. She's just, she's just given sexual favors or whatever. That oh, is, yeah. as, that's God totally. As,
1: you put it down, you credited them on their ability, yeah. but there has to be a reason why that man didn't get it. And there was this, I'm going to say beautiful car crash of an interview I saw on the comedy <laughs> forums recently of a guy that was no longer being booked. And Not one piece of responsibility of his actions came out of his mouth. Uh It was all, I wasn't getting it because of the diversity tick boxes um, or open micers pretending to be comedians. The only reason they got the jobs I should have got is because of this, that, and the other. And I said, look, it's coming across that you didn't get those jobs because of your own ability there.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: (laughs) But some people, it's difficult. There are only a certain amount of jobs. And people want them. There is a very fierce competition in the Mm. comedy world. And yeah, keep the gatekeepers. Let's make it just our own gigs. Why do we have to invite these girls or these um, diversity cultures, the different types of people on? Because it takes their ability. And if they're only mediocre, those mediocre spots will be given to somebody of a different diversity tick box Mm -hmm. with a better ability to be funny than you. And And it's better to say you didn't get the job because of tick boxes than it was because you're just not funny, mate.
0: <laughs> yeah. And comedy is a meritocracy above all else. The audience doesn't lie. And if no. you are so funny that you can make any audience laugh, you're going to get booked. So that, and you're going to get booked over everybody else.
1: There's an amazing woman that we had on the kitchen sink called D Maxwell. And she said she had trouble getting booked. She is fierce. Mm -hmm. If Sasha Fierce was based on a woman, (laughs) I'm in awe of her and I'm terrified (laughs) of being on the wrong side of her. (laughs) And she she was like, book my own gigs then. Mm. She had this such, she built an amazing following and there's these people that wouldn't book her. So she booked her own venue, put her own gig on, filled it, filled, sold out instantly with her own fans. And she's like, don't need you guys, do I? Yeah. And I mean talk about the um, the American dream. <laughs> yeah,
0: no doubt. Yeah. That's great. I appreciate everything you've talked about, especially this Zoom mic situation because you gave me a lot better understanding of it and I may lean into it a little bit more so you maybe you'll see me a little bit more. But the fact that it's almost a perfect storm that you graduated from your comedy class when you did because you had that addiction to being on stage and making people laugh. So you are going to do it no matter how you had to do it. So leaning into the zoom stuff has it's made you a zoom star. So that that's, it's really, it's fortunate. It's unfortunate that you can't do it live, but it's fortunate that you leaned in so quickly and kept with it.
1: Cause I, I hardly do any now. I can check. I have, I've earned the right now to cherry pick, yep. which gigs I do. The drop on a Tuesday mm-hmm. is a given. Mm-hmm. I've even got to the point where I forget to reply to the signups because yeah. I'm just like, obviously, can I just say yes forever? Can yeah. I just do one <laughs> post, Heather, that just <laughs> says yes? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and God bless the goddess that she is. She, <laughs> she messages me and she's like, why haven't you signed up? <gasps> I'm so sorry. Of course I'm yeah. doing it. Um, <laughs> um, and, and that group, I, is that group that is over 3,000 miles away from me is my regular club.
0: Mm-hmm. That's nice. And that is
1: my, my comedy family. And I've managed to get on to like the one I did last night. It was a very prestigious one I'd got into on London, which took weeks of booking and, and, and begging mm-hmm. to get on. And I'm like, I did it. I got on there. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and, and I'm fortunate enough now to say if I'm going to do a Zoom, it's going to have to be 10 minutes because I need to practice on my 10 minutes set. Uh-huh.
0: And um, you've got, if you've got a good 10, then you deserve to do it.
1: Yeah. And I'm very lucky that I got to the point where I maybe got a name for myself and people approach me yeah. uh, for doing it. But that's because I did so many. But you don't have to do a million. You can just look it up on the spreadsheet that Nico has made and go, okay, I'll do this one this week. Mm-hmm. Pick a time that's right for you because you don't want to be flustered. You don't want to be tired. You don't want to be in a rush. Yeah. Um, there are so many that you can put your name down for. It, it could be that you want to always try out your type five, or it could be that you want to do a new one. There's some places that do three-minute three, three minute spots. Some places do four. Some places do five. There's the the one that's in the Cabbage Patch, night, the nightcap, does seven. Mm.
0: Um,
1: and then you've got the other places online that will do ten. There is an open mic for you. Somewhere (laughs) in the world, you don't have to do a million. And if you just want to do the writing workshops, they're there for you as well. But I think to ignore online comedy is to ignore comedy.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And if it wasn't for online comedy, I wouldn't know your face.
0: No doubt. Hey, that's a mic drop moment. So I I think that's a good moment to end on. So once again, how can people find you and what projects do you want them to really get into?
1: I have a podcast. If you go on lucyorchard.com, everything's on there all my socials and stuff but I do a podcast with it's a pod, podcast networking channel I'm called USUK US UK mm. and there's three products in it so there's um, What the Difference which has got an American and a British guy talk about the differences Then there's a playful one called Superhero Bar Fight where they, they have these mot- like who would win between the Tiger King and Liar King you know, and they just come <laughs> up with all sorts of just crazy madcap ideas and then you've got the Weekly Bazaar which is myself and my two co-hosts um, who aren't comedians but the funniest fuckers I know Uh And we look at odd stories from all around the world. So that's my podcast, baby. Mm -hmm. But um, I do The Lucy Show, which is my one-woman show on a Tuesday night. I do The Kitchen Sink, which is every Thursday. And then on Mondays, I do Big uh, big World Small Talk, which is a guy from Malaysia, a guy from Michigan, and myself, all at the same time, having fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of these products are available on LucyOrchard.com.
0: great thanks so much for being on the podcast i know you i feel like i know you from the mics but it was nice to understand how where you were and how you've come along and it's really it's a really great story
1: i just want to know if there's any women out there that are looking to go into comedy the open mics that are online what a way to try yeah go to workshops have a few plays put together one two even if it's three minutes you don't have to do a five minute set go to a workshop put some pieces together, and then try it online. Women, this is our time to shine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Thanks a lot, Lucy. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure.